0: This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Colin. He has an unexplained liver disease. Let's talk about it. This should be fun. We're sitting with our friend Colin Klaus all the way, uh, from all the way up in northern Ontario. Mm-hmm. Do you say northern Ontario? Like, what, what would technically be where you're from? <laughs> Northwestern Ontario? I always just
2: say North, northern Ontario.
0: <laughs> you're like, just outside of Thunder Bay, right?
2: Yeah, I'm in like a township outside of Thunder Bay. It's called Gorham. It's like 15 township. minutes away. Yeah. What is a you township?
0: Guys, yeah, they all ride around on horses. They rob banks with <laughs> with, with <laughs> bandanas yeah. over yeah. their. Like You've been playing D-
3: way too much Red
0: Dead. I, for I've, been, <laughs> re- I've been replaying Red Dead, and all I can think about is the Wild West. Yeah. And so, so now Colin Klaus, <laughs> to me is just another <laughs> another cowboy. What's it, exactly. what's north like?
1: Northern Ontario, man. I it, it just, goes real north. It goes so north. <laughs> And I've only been through once. I've been through Thunder Bay once. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, yes. It's, yes. But how does it feel? Like I feel so <laughs> removed from somewhere so far away. I mean, Colin feels
0: so removed from you, the rest yeah, of the world. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Do you? Do you? Yeah. Do you? Do you feel that? Like, do you feel like you know, I'm here and like the internet and <laughs> I, I can yeah. I, I can do everything. <laughs> or do you feel? Or do you feel a sense of disconnect from from? <laughs> from
2: large urban centers. <laughs> Definitely a big disconnect. Like I live in the middle of nowhere basically. Like uh and there's always like so much snow where I am too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So right now like there's all this snow and I I look around and my friends where that aren't living here uh they don't have snow or anything. So they're tanning. They're on beaches. I mean exactly. <laughs> shit it was like
1: it was like 15 degrees here like 10 days ago. Yeah. Guys yeah.
3: Did we get high? Did I forget that we got high before we <laughs> yeah, started? <it> <laughs> be like that.
0: Well, you know what? It, it, let, let me just say, this all actually does pertain a little bit to what it is we're going to be talking about today. Because, somehow. Uh, somehow. Well, I'll, don't worry. I'll, I'll, make it, I'll tie it together. Um, because, Colin, you live in a pretty remote area. Mm-hmm. And, um, and how old are you now, Colin? 26. 26. So yeah. uh, almost 10 years ago,
2: you you went through something um pretty intense correct yeah uh i like i don't know where you want me to start or anything but yeah i had a liver transplant when i was like 20 and uh yeah it's pretty intense <laughs> <laughs> now
0: now when you were you were let's let's go right back to the beginning because okay. it, when i read your application i thought it was really um i thought it was really interesting because typically when we have someone on and they've gone through something like you have, which we will definitely get into. Um, people have like there's some sort of result. There's some sort of um, there's some sort of diagnosis that comes with the event that took place.
2: Um, you had something going on with your liver, right? Yeah, um, it was weird. Like I had a bunch of internal bleeding. That's how I kind of figured out what was wrong or something was wrong, and. Uh, when I went into the hospital here for the first time, they were just like, "You have the body of a fifty-year-old alcoholic." What? Like, yeah, I was just really like confused because I, I was, I drank once in a while, like you know, with my buddies when I was in high school, kind of thing, but not like intense or anything. And yeah, I just had all these problems going on all of a sudden. When so, when yeah. you when and you were you were seventeen at that time, right? When 17. you first went to emerge, yeah. <clears throat>
3: When, when you said that you had internal bleeding, like how did you first notice it? Because I imagine internal bleeding, and I think I've heard this in the past where like there's people who have cases of internal bleeding, but they don't know that obviously they're bleeding because it's happening inside of them. And it can be really dangerous. But what, what did you notice was happening to you?
2: Well, I'm kind of an idiot. So um, <laughs> I, I was, uh, I, like the first thing was like black, poop obviously right Uh, Um, and that's that's
0: black for people who don't know if your shit is black that's a no no that is that typically means that that is blood
2: within your stool so blood uh, in stool looks looks like black stool mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I just didn't know that like I was just like Oblivious, basically. So, how black though? How black are we talking? Like black, black. Like it was bad. It was super strange to see. And
1: it's not. I mean, you know, don't uh, don't beat yourself up (laughs) for not knowing that at seventeen. Totally. Because if I saw black shit at seventeen, I would just be. <laughs> Dude, there would be no thought. To be fair, if I
0: saw black shit today and I and I didn't know that black shit was blood in my shit, I would go, I would take a picture and send it to
3: you guys and go, guys, check okay,
1: it out. Look at it, look at my shit. It's black. You guys, yeah. I
3: don't know how I don't know how graphic we want to get here, but but uh I recall seeing interesting color poops when I was 17 years old and just being like, oh, that is vibrant green, or that is Maybe of the, maybe there's a little bit of blood in my, like, red blood in my stool. Or, like, maybe that's a little bit yellow or weird. Like, it's not, it's definitely not brown. But I never had the thought, like, oh, this could be a problem. So if I saw black, yeah. I'd probably think of it the same way.
1: I learned about it. I learned about it when I brought take Me home from Morocco the dog that I brought home from Morocco, this like stray dog that I brought home. Uh And when we got home, he was shitting and there was a tons of blood in his shit. And I was like freaking out. Mm -hmm. And I was convinced, like I brought this dog home. What the fuck am I doing? He's going to, he's going to, I brought him home. He's going to die like within a few days. And I just, I felt so, I felt sad and I felt dumb and, and then, and then, you know, through research and stuff, it was like, you know, if it's red, that's good because that means it's happening like it's like your your colon yeah. or it's like, like happening right around hemorrhoids or yeah. whatever. Not, it's happening it, right there. Not good. Better. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's, it's it's not it's not an emergency. <laughs> right. Okay. Whereas if it's dark or black, then it's happening like way yeah. further up your uh, mm-hmm. in your digestive system, which is a bit, which is no no.
0: So let's so let's let's uh, go through the story from the beginning. You you have this black shit. <laughs> At what point do you go, all right, maybe I should go to the hospital?
2: Well, I was that was probably like a week or so that I've been noticing that. And then uh, I remember I had this cold, so I went to shoppers to get cough medicine and took a swig of that and I started driving home and like my drive home is probably like 20 minutes. So I'm going down the highway and I all of a sudden started feeling like super hot, super cold. Like just like in the matter of like five minutes, like just back and forth. Mm. And then I just got the urge to throw up. So I rolled down my window and I threw up and I remember just seeing just pure red. But that Whoa. was like, oh. that was the color of the cough medicine too. So I was like, oh, it's just the cough medicine, right? Mm-hmm. So went home that night and then like every hour I was just throwing up pure red, like so much. It was insane.
1: And you're like, I don't remember that, having that much cough medicine. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah, exactly. Did,
2: did you live with your parents at yeah, the time? Like yeah. they, were were
3: they like concerned that you were
2: growing up? I I try to hide stuff like that from them and like uh I don't know, I was just wasn't especially at seventeen, I wasn't too like
1: I don't know. Sure. They're yeah. gonna ask me if I was drinking.
2: Yeah, right. yeah. They're, they're gonna say like you're not that. supposed to drink cough medicine like it's alcohol. Colin. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we've heard of scissor <laughs>
0: Don't scissor. And so. and
2: everyone knows scissor a real bad problem in northern Ontario. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so yeah. That happened, and then I went to school. Like I was feeling so shitty, like just horrible. No doubt. And but I went to school the next morning, and I remember, like the first uh, two periods were fine. And then lunch came around, and I remember talking to this, like, assistant teacher about throwing up, like, red, and she was just saying, oh, it's probably nothing or whatever. And as soon as I had that conversation, I felt the urge throw up again. So I went to the bathroom, and it just, like, projectiled in the toilet, like, black and red. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was right intense. So, and still didn't go to the hospital after that. (laughs) What? Oh, my (laughs) God. (laughs) I just, I don't know. I was just, like... I was just felt so like drained and like dead. And Mm. so I came home and I laid down and my sister's a nurse. So she came in and told me to go to the hospital. So I finally drove to the hospital and that's when it all started. Yeah. I, I,
0: I mean, classic male shit of like, you know, just (laughs) not like taking care of yourself when, when you know something, you know, in your heart of hearts, something is wrong. Mm. Also Mm -hmm. the fact that that, assistant teacher was like, oh, you're vomiting red, yeah. probably nothing. Uh, <laughs> if you're a teacher out there and a student comes to you and says that,
3: maybe maybe check
0: <laughs> yourself, maybe yeah, don't call them. When you, when you had
3: that, uh, when you th- threw up like red and black in the, in the toilet uh, at school violently, well, like in your head, did you think, oh, this is weird, but it will probably pass or, or yeah. were you starting to get more concerned?
2: I, I really wasn't concerned like I didn't think of it any like as being anything, really. I just assumed like something weird was happening. Mm. I'd go to sleep and uh it'd be fine, you know one day <laughs> mm. yeah so when you got the
3: hosp- to the hospital um what happened then?
2: Well, they did a bunch of tests, and then that's when the that person said I had a really bad body and my liver was shutting down. They said like if i didn't come in at that time, I would have literally like died that night I think oh wow, wow. i mean it's oh, not like wow. i
1: i I, I, com- I am also i've never had something crazy happen that i've ignored, but i am I am definitely ripe for that to be to be and it's not because i it's not because i don't want to tell anybody or but I think it just stems from a from like an optimistic Worldview of this will pass. Like, this, yeah. is, this is something that is happening. It has a beginning and it will have an end, and then it will be fine. And, you know, you go down the path of, okay, it keeps happening, it keeps happening. And then, like, oh, maybe I should check it out. And you I know, think it's
0: less optimistic worldview and more uh, problematic
3: hope. Yeah, I think that's what I think it's, it's more well, problematic hope.
1: Yeah, yeah, I guess. It's, I mean, tomato, tomato, in my opinion. But well, it's a
3: bit of a, <laughs> a, mean, a risky naivety. Mm. Naivete, Naivete, if you will, um, because I will. because uh, because statistically, like you're a big stats guy, Taylor. Like statistically, there are a lot of fucking people who just get randomly really sick, and Ooh. and something happens to their yeah. body, and if they don't get checked out, then it's going to cause more long term damage. So, like, why? Why not err on the side of caution in a situation like well, that? Even I, if you have, I think an, I would an, now an inherent sense of optimism. I would
1: think I would now, having listened to you know a, a thousand stories of people yeah. that have had issues mm-hmm. and and being able to recall little signals and things that are you know signs of things that aren't good. But if you don't have that reference, um, you know, it's I, I don't and and so and, and then and how crazy it can be, like you said, Colin, that you can mm-hmm. kind of be in this. Yeah, it'll pass and you know, it'll it, it's something that will go away and you know, maybe I will go get it checked. And then, and then, and then they're like, You're gonna you could have you die tonight. Yeah, <laughs> like it's, it's so far it's so much more progressed than you could have ever imagined.
0: Do they rush into any kind of treatment? Like when you show up with this, you know, fifty year old alcoholic liver, are they like, Fuck man, we
2: gotta we gotta do something right now, like stat. I can't remember if it was that night or, like, the next day, but they shipped me to Toronto because here, like, sucks for any health things. (laughs) Um, Now, did they do that on horseback or did they fly (laughs) you to Toronto? (laughs) I had to fly. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, uh, They had this, like, this little plane and, uh, yeah, there was, like, a quick thing where I just had to, like, get there as soon as possible. And they had to, like, do the scope down my throat to stop the bleeding. Well. Uh, wow. Yeah, those were horrible. That Whoa. was like Do you the remember the thing?
1: heritage moment? The woman who's giving birth. It's only another mile. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I, I can't
3: re- I can't remember it exactly. In, right. in the snowstorm. Yeah. I,
0: that yeah. I, that actually took place in the town that the <laughs> township. Oh wow. <laughs>
1: Colin, Colin
3: when, when <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about the logistics of the, this flight. Do they send you to a small airport nearby or is it like a specifically no, like chartered yeah, like it if, was
2: it was weird. It was like I can't remember too well, but it was this airport that was like way outside of uh outside of Toronto. And I remember it took like two hours to get to the hospital. Oh wow. Like mm-hmm. it was really weird the whole situation.
1: Oh, so, <laughs> oh, so you like once you got there, you weren't like they weren't like airlifted. They airlift. didn't fly you
2: into Pearson. They didn't
1: airlift no, you to no. the hospital. They no. you, you were you were serious, they, but you weren't so serious that they were like, if we don't do this now he's gonna die.
2: Yeah, that's right. why I'm in, having I'm having trouble remembering if I got a scope here as well before right. I went to Toronto. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm thinking I might have because yeah, I, I remember the ride there not being like I remember showing up at, like three a.m. uh, in Toronto and they just like said go to sleep for a bit and we'll wake you up at like six a.m. or something. Mm. But yeah, how scared are you? Like how how scared are you? I mean, I I know obviously
1: you're in a, you're in a you're 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 you're, you're you're remote and obviously the hospital and care is not going to be the same as it is in, you know, Toronto or any big city. Um, but still even just someone saying we can't do what you need here and you need to go. I've always
2: like my brother, when he was four, he had a brain tumor. Um, so he, we were always used to going back to, back and forth to Toronto And I've always like just heard like, oh, can't do that in Thunder Bay. You got to go to Toronto. Got to go to Toronto for like literally everything. So I was kind of just like, whatever, let's do this kind of thing. So it didn't strike you as like the craziest thing in the world that you had to be treated
1: in Toronto. Okay. No.
2: But with that said, I was put on a floor. Since they didn't know what it was, I was put on a floor where it was like just older people like dying basically. And that was like. Mm. what really like shook yeah. me you know
3: just out of curiosity because i'm i'm sure people listening are are wondering too um how did your brother make out
2: he's good he's good he's been yeah. cancer free since uh uh since he was 4 i guess but right. yeah it was that was a scary story and then on top of that like my parents had to deal with my brother getting cancer and then me getting sick and then just like a few years ago my other sister She had a brain tumor. Oh, my God. Whoa. Yeah. It's pretty intense. And, like, I don't know what are the chances of that happening in a family, but it's pretty weird. But she's doing good now, too. Uh, It's still Mm -hmm. a rocky road, but... Do you guys live next to, like, a coal mine or something? (laughs) That's what I was thinking, but no. uh,
3: (laughs) Some, like, environmental (laughs) thing. Environmental. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
2: An Afghan (laughs) burn pit.
0: So you get to this hospital in Toronto, and do they... I, like, again, I kind of, I kind of gave a spoiler at the top. Like, they, they, they don't actually figure out what the fuck's going on with your liver, but do they come to some sort of conclusion? And and what is the resolve from that that trip to the hospital in Toronto at seventeen?
2: So I, was, I can't remember exactly how long I stayed there, but it was a couple of weeks, and like it was just test after test, like so many tests, and they're all like so bad, but um because uh, they like they don't put you to sleep for most of them so you're just like awake while somebody somebody's shoving something down your throat Whoa. and like stitching something down there right i remember like my biopsy because my veins or not my veins but i can't remember what it was but they, they a biopsy they usually just go through your side of your stomach here for your liver and uh they couldn't do that for some reason because I was so sick. So they had to cut open my neck right here. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Oh. So and go all the way through my heart while I'm still awake. Oh, and like my God. You feel this thing going all the way through, you know, like it was, it was so That's messed gnarly. up. That's gnarly. That's fucking bone showing, right, so man. fucked.
1: Just the idea, like, f- I mean, the idea, like that, that. Hits me the same way that, like, a catheter hits me. Yeah. Like, it just
3: feels. Isn't the same. it a catheter that they, they're using in that? I, yeah, I uh, mean, like, a dick. Yeah. You, know, like you I mean, mean like, a penis I mean catheter? A dick catheter. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're like
1: yeah. hey, we're going to need to shove this up your dick. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, oh. believe, I believe the term That's,
3: is urethral. It's catheter, so. I, a I would love, guys. Catheter. I would love to have a doctor come in and explain to us, re, like, really explain to us why they sometimes go through the neck to get down towards the groin or go through the groin to get somewhere uh, up near the net. Well, it's,
0: it's, it's it's the exact same reason system. why
3: there's certain you know certain
0: roads that we take here in Halifax or <laughs> wherever you live to bypass traffic. He's
1: joking there this, it? but it is, yeah. I, it is I know the I major, know but major highways I understand
3: that but <clears throat> It doesn't make sense that you, there's no on ramps to the highway that are closer to I mean, the Colin destination. Paul wouldn't understand that because he lives in a township.
0: Um, he probably wouldn't understand. It very well. Highways are. I
3: can mean, I explain highways, but that's a different podcast. He knows uh, highways. He lives on the side of one, dude. There's no town. There's no. There's no the sub Trans, the trans
1: Canada is the, is the local strip. That's it.
3: So, so they, so they
0: go in. Uh, they go in to do the biopsy. Um, do they, you know, like, how, how do you, how do you get out? Like how they, do they, because here's the thing that I'm, I'm wondering you, you had the the liver transplant at 20, right? Mm-hmm. So that's three years into the future from this moment where you're in the hospital. So what do they do and what do they tell you before they send you home in terms of like, what's going on with your body? And like, how do they give you the, the okay to go home without, then in that moment going you're going to need a liver transplant
2: well they like stabilized me there they had me on like a bunch of different medicine and drugs and then they just said yeah you're going to need a transplant in the near future they don't they don't know when um it it actually happened a lot sooner than they expected or something i guess mm. but uh yeah it was just weird um do you in in terms like
0: fast forwarding to the transplant at 20 um how did that work out was did you did you receive a liver from uh, an anonymous donor or or
2: was it was it someone in your family it was actually my oldest sister um uh she we th- my both my sisters volunteered but my oldest sister we have like the same type of like body and like personality so we thought she would be the best, uh, candidate, I guess. And we went through a bunch of tests together and she, she was a match. So we did that. And if I were to wait on the waiting list for somebody else, I think it would have been like too late, I think. Cause right. my mm-hmm. numbers were so like just insane. Like it, it went from like zero to a hundred really quick.
1: So mm-hmm. what was it? What was the, <coughs> what like, did they diagnose? What was the diagnosis? Did,
2: there's n- hasn't there what? been one.
1: There was none. <laughs> There's n- there, so, never. So they, you still to this day don't have a diagnosis. They're just like your liver
2: just started shutting down. Yeah, they thought uh, they would know once my once they had my liver, like, and they were able to test it and like in their hands or whatever. But uh, yeah, they still don't know. They just found like blood clots in there and stuff. But they think that it might have been genetic. Like I've had it since I was a kid. Kind of thing, but they still aren't a hundred percent sure, oh my mm. god dude, there's nothing
1: there's nothing it's pretty um, frustrating well, yeah. frustrating mm-hmm. and 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 scary because mm. if you don't know what it is uh then you're obviously not getting any, any information on like you know is this shit gonna happen to your new liver
2: it, you mm. know, is yeah this, uh, I think that's what's most likely is gonna happen mm. uh it's just probably, I'm gonna probably need another one in a few yeah. years or something which scares me but whatever <laughs> so it's been six years since you're since you got the liver mm-hmm. so
1: and and is that is that like a uh do you know what the time i'm I, i'm not really sure on like lengths of time for different organs i know I, i'm like vaguely familiar with lungs because of jeremy and his cf yeah, but yeah like is there a is there a typical time range period of time where a, a liver transplant is good. Could it potentially be good forever? Or they do they expect it to need to be replaced again, you know, at a point in the future, regardless of whether the, you know, the issue that you have before persists with this new one.
2: Yeah. I think it's, I think they're thinking that it's going to happen again. Um, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure though. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Do you, do you
2: recall much of the
0: process of the transplant itself? Like, you know, did you and your sister have many conversations before the the procedure itself? Um, you know, do you remember like what what things were like in terms of the you know family dynamic and the conversations that you were having with your family before going in for something that's obviously very invasive and um, you know I, I would I would
2: guess ra- somewhat high risk. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I remember pretty much everything. It it was kind of just like, I don't, I don't know. I was still like kind of dumb and a kid. So I was just like (laughs) not too, you know, worried about it. And I was just like, uh, you know, hoping for the best kind of thing, but I was super grateful for my sister, you Mm. know, like that's a big thing for her to go through too. So, uh, we, we had like some conversations, but we're not really like, uh, I don't even know how to explain it. we're not like super I don't know. we just don't talk about serious stuff that much. You know we joke around lots about it and uh just kind of see how it all plays out.
0: <laughs> and how did your sister make out with the with the transplant itself did really they good. did they remove do you know how much of her liver they
2: removed? just like a chunk i'm not sure exactly how much but uh, it apparently like it grows back right like yeah. the liver so she take they take a chunk and then put it into meat, and then over time it slowly grows back to like a normal size liver wow. which is God, super it's cool so that's crazy. so cool yeah, yeah. in terms
3: salamanders. of salamanders call in yeah. terms <laughs> of like uh like talking about the experience that you've been through and in terms of like how it's affected your your mental health you just mentioned like you don't necessarily talk too much about your family members about serious things. It's probably more of a bit of a more jokey environment. Um, how do you feel like this whole experience has affected your mental health and, and have you had anybody to talk to
2: about it? Kind of. I I usually just like, I don't really talk much about it. Um, I don't know. It's just, I, I'm like bad at talking if you can't tell already, (laughs) but, uh, Yeah, I just I don't know. I I don't I I use my I use my music, you know, kind of as my tool, you know. Mm-hmm. And like if I had somebody to talk to, I wouldn't even know what to say, kind of thing. And every time I've tried, it's just like doesn't really work too well. Yeah, <laughs> in,
0: in your application, you had mentioned that you that depression is something that you've dealt with pretty much your yeah. entire life. Yeah, and yeah. that uh, that your dog actually played a big role in like. Mm-hmm providing you a lot of comfort can you can you talk to us about that a little bit
2: uh yeah i don't want to cry but (laughs) she like (laughs) passed away like uh two months ago now i think oh man i'm so sorry yeah Yeah, that was hard it's it's so
0: hard my my Mm -hmm. dog baby died last august and it was Mm -hmm. hands down the hardest thing that i've ever gone through in my entire life what was what was her name
2: june Hmm. Mm -hmm. what what Uh, kind of dog was she she's a lab uh my sister got her while she was working in Saskatchewan uh, off this like res where, uh, you know, all these dogs were just running around uh, and they weren't doing too well. So we she got a litter. There was a bunch of them and I saw this nice white perfect dog and I, I just knew right away that I had to have that one. So mm. they brought her down. She kept the sister of, Ju- of June, which mm-hmm. she's doing really good still but uh <clears throat> yeah she uh, like she was like my best friend like mm-hmm. anything that i had like any problems with it was just okay all the time because she was around yeah mm-hmm.
3: yeah yeah i know what, i i know what it's like um you know having a, a dog as your best friend i just got a, a puppy uh, a few months ago and like i feel like you know, I'll just be sitting around at night and I'm like, oh, I can I can just tell my dog anything. And it's like this <laughs> yeah. like sort of outlet to just talk about the things that mm-hmm. you're feeling or experience or mm-hmm. going through. And it's really really cathartic to be able to
1: There's a really good episode on uh on Netflix uh of Explained and they talk about like why humans are able to have this uh like very special relationship with dogs and like dogs. Mm. And it's just mm. like, you know, you the like a little bit of like a little bit of the science behind it but also like just like a lot of the feeling behind it and mm. that dogs because of the 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 hundreds of years that we've been that we've been developing a relationship like we're closer with dogs than any other mm. species on the mm. planet and there's just like emotional and there's like oxytocin and stuff involved like mm-hmm. hormones that allow you to to feel to feel about a dog and like relate to dogs and how yeah. they can sense you know, things that are going on with you and sense your emotions and how you're feeling and and respond to that. It's like really special.
3: you got your podcasts
0: to kind of stay on this mental health topic. Um, and, and considering that, you know, depression is something that you've dealt with for a while, um, going through something so traumatic physically, I can only imagine has, you know, amplified effects on, on the mental side of things. Um, with this entire experience that you had with your liver, how did it affect your mental health and, and, or like, was that, was that a big part of the, the journey that you went through?
2: Yeah. Um, they think because of this, uh, I love your dog, by the way. (laughs) So this is
0: my new dog, Donut. (laughs) And, uh, he loves to be on set on that that table. He is sweet. (laughs) It's
2: awesome. Um, yeah, they think because like, my liver was damaged. I guess it releases chemicals to the brain that makes depression or something. I don't know exactly how it goes, but oh wow. Um, so I think that's what was happening. Like, because I really noticed, like, I when I was in grade six, when I started like feeling like really weird, just like mentally and stuff. But uh, I, I, I think getting the liver transplant and stuff was actually like super beneficial for my mental health because it literally, like, changed who I was. Yeah. And, like, before, like, all my life, like, everything was just dull and, like, uh, I don't know, just bland and weird. Mm-hmm. And then I got the liver transplant, and all of a sudden I felt, like, alive. You know, like, my taste buds came back, and, like, I was just, like, wow, just trying all these different things and just felt so much better, you know? Like, I don't know. I think that, like, the liver had a big impact on the, my mental health. Like it's still bad, but it's not as bad. I just, I just
0: brought this, I, I, I honestly had no idea about that. And I just quickly brought this up. Um, this is from PubMed. Um, major depression and liver disease, the role of microbiome and inflammation, depression and liver disease are closely associated. Every third patient with liver cirrhosis or hepatitis show depressive symptoms. On the other hand, every third patient with depressive disorders develops an alcohol disorder at the same point during his or her life. A crucial link between depression and uh, hepatic disease seems to be an inflammatory process in which the microbiome and increased intestinal permeability, permeability of the intestine play a pivotal role. Depression as well as liver disease... Alcohol consumption, stress, and aging processes uh, disturb the delicate balance of intestinal microbiota, resulting in increased intestinal permeability. Therefore, bacteria or their meta, uh, metabolites, such as the endo- <laughs> in endotoxin, lipo, not even going to try to pronounce Stretching that. Stretching the limits are, of your vocabulary. Are able <laughs> to reach the blood circulation, resulting in inflammation in the liver, as well as in the brain, via a site. Cyto- cy- cytokine cascade <laughs> which in turn can lead to liver changes depression obesity and m- metabolic
3: syndrome did you say this was a reuters article uh yeah, no, know <laughs> this, uh, this is a
1: this is a, literally a, and uh, how nuts is the nuts microbiome i don't That's know crazy man. i don't know shit about the microbiome i hear it talked about a lot and every time i hear it talked about it always yields a what the fuck yeah. kind of moment mm. where yes. you're just like holy shit is it? Is it? I don't even it, know what um, that is, and it's doing that. I would
3: love to learn more about it because, like, I I feel like there's um, in my brain, I have a stigma around microbiome that's like sort of like crystal esque. Like I think, of, I think of your microbiome sort of the same way I think about crystals. Right. Like when somebody's uh, like,
1: when somebody's uh, like, Mercury's in retrograde. You're yeah. like, yeah, my microbiome <laughs> sucks too. Yeah, yeah, yeah really, So
3: uh, I am. I
0: would love to learn. We'll more put this about to that. rest with an episode all about microbiome. I'll find a guest. <laughs> okay. Sweet. So yes. We, yes <laughs> there we go. Um, uh, so th- th- I, I also find it very interesting. Th- this is another thing that that kind of blows my mind is the. The because I've thought about this a lot with the high possibility, at least in the past, of the need for a double lung transplant in my life. Mm -hmm. And this, this notion of like getting a new set or a new organ or new set of organs and how that can go on to like change the way that you receive feedback from the world. And so- So I, what I, what I was hearing you say is that you, after this surgery, you almost had this, like, this new set of eyes for the world. And like, like you were literally receiving feedback from the world around you in a way that you haven't felt before, or at least in a long time.
2: Yeah. That's exactly it. What a fucking trip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh. I always like say that's like the liver transplant was like the best thing that happened to me because I just feel like I was such a shithead before. And <laughs> like, that's a part of growing up, obviously, but
3: definitely, um,
2: I don't know. I was just, didn't like who I was. And then, mm. you know. Did you feel like that? Because it
1: seems like, or you mentioned earlier that they thought that it might be genetic and that you you've always kind of been dealing with it. And I'm not sure if I interpreted that correctly, but when you said that, I thought, I was thinking about it as it's like been accumulating slowly <coughs> over a long period of time, and now it's like coming to a head. I don't know if that's is that is that correct, yeah, yeah,
2: like I'm not sure if it was genetic, that's what they think that it might be, but the thing with that is like why all of a sudden uh like it was bad when I was seventeen, and then but those three years where I was living, it was like. Like I could manage it, you know, kind of thing. Like every day was getting worse, though, and I, I could feel like just, just getting so much worse. But, that, uh, but by the time like the liver transplant came, I was just like, uh, uh I forgot what I was gonna say now, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, okay. were they, okay.
1: what were they doing in between those? in between those years, I mean, you show up to a hospital and they're like, if you didn't come here, you were going to die. And then, and then it's three years to a transplant. How did, how did you, and how did they uh, like the medical community or healthcare system? Like what were you doing to manage it? Like medication wise and all, and all that stuff or lifestyle. And
2: yeah, I I actually went into school (laughs) and like that was at the same time too, where I started playing like live a bunch and, uh, yeah, I went into school while I was feeling this way. And then I, I just like, I I, I remember, man, I, I'm just like flustered right now. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's okay. okay,
0: dude. Well, th- th- I, I think Can you, you th- brought something up that I, that would be really great to kind of segue into, which is your music and how your music has become a tool for, for healing for you. Um, mm-hmm. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about where this all stemmed from, like how you got into music, what kind of music you play? Um, You know, I know you went to school to
2: study music um, a little bit later in life. Yeah. So before I get to that, like uh, I I, I have a problem thinking it was genetic because when I was going through those three years – uh, like it all of a sudden, like I was managing it kind of good. They had a bunch of medication and different things, but they had, uh, or no, when I, when I reached 20, it was all of a sudden like super bad. Like I couldn't, uh, I couldn't eat without throwing up and stuff. So it was just like, wow. I don't really think it was genetic because I don't get why all of a sudden it would just get that bad to answer mm-hmm. that question before. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. Um, uh, but yeah, uh. Music, like, I've always done music. I've always wanted to be a musician. Um, My, like, in Thunder Bay, there's a really great, like, music scene I always wanted to be a part of. So I just kind of, like, threw myself headfirst into that, and I was just by myself with my, like, acoustic. So it kind of, like, by default went into, like, singer-songwriter kind of music. Uh, Like, you can say folk, but it wasn't really folk. But anyway, like... And I did a lot of recording too during this time, but, uh, like being sick and everything, like I just, I just know that that stuff wasn't the greatest and like my live performances weren't that great either, but it was something that like I had to look forward to, you know, and I just like, I loved doing it all the time, you know, like I met so many cool people doing this. Um, and yeah, like I went to school for, I went back to Toronto while technically still in, like, recovery from my liver transplant, like, I came back to to my hometown when I, uh, like, in the springtime and then spent the summer here and then in the fall went to school for the uh, songwriting and performance arts at Seneca. And that was, like, a huge game changer because I just started meeting, like, different people, uh, kind of forcing myself to, like, work with other people, uh... And, like, there are so many, like, great, like, artists that I met through that, too. And I fell in love with, like, all music at that point. You know, like, I, I've i listened to everything my whole life. But at that point, I just started getting into, like, older stuff and, like, uh, you know, even newer, like, pop stuff and everything. It was oh, really, uh, it was, like, just eye-opening. And then when I came back to Thunder Bay, that was when like, just before the pandemic came uh, came in, I decided I would just, like, produce myself because everything that I was putting out was just, like, so stripped down and just wasn't sounding what I how I envisioned it to, so I just sat down, like, the whole pandemic and just recorded everything, so, and Sleepy, like, that was when I started planning Sleepy, but uh, that was supposed to be, like, a 10-song album, but I had to cut it short, but I'll probably be putting out the other songs like in the future. <laughs> and and
0: Sleepy is your your latest EP that yeah. recently that recently came out. Um uh it's uh was it, it's a 7 7 song EP?
2: Yeah. Some people call it an album, but I think anything like under 30 minutes is not an album. <laughs> I'm yeah. not sure how it works, but <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there, there's some there's some technical there's some technical yeah, cut, yeah. cut, cut <laughs> off
1: on some on a wikipedia page somewhere.
0: <laughs> I uh I I we were going to save this for for the end of the podcast, but I feel like it'd be fun to to kind of just throw throw it into the show now. Um uh we were we were hoping to play one of your songs on the show and uh you had suggested that we play uh the the first track on the EP Polaroid. Um I would you be cool if we played it right now and then um, and then it's, and then maybe talk about it after just to, <laughs> yeah, to kind of yeah, get sure. your, your thoughts on it? Sure. Okay, cool, sweet.
4: Take a look around, tell me what is it you see? Are there fragmented memories stained on your sleeves? Or did I way too soon you took a polaroid photograph to capture your past you carry it closer cause nothing really lasts now Some kids trying to live and learn who to become. Yeah, I don't know what it is about this place. Makes me think of the way the firelight lit your face. Well, I'll stick around so.
0: Some fucking music,
1: <laughs>
3: right there. That's sweet.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great track, man. I I uh, when I when hearing you talk about, I want to ask you kind of about the song and everything. But I just want to say before that that um, uh, we grew up with we have a bunch of friends who played music and stuff. And when they started recording, um, I know that it was like a it was a very like it was a very like long time horizon before the production. Caught up to their musical talent, mm-hmm. like their ability to actually produce something that sounds like it belongs, like it could be on the radio or it could be <laughs> on a streaming service, <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is more appropriate to today. Yeah. Um, and 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 their early stuff, you know, just sound it. it you know, you'd hear them play live, and you'd be like, "Oh my god, their music is so good!" And then they, you know, they produce it, and you're like, "Ah, that sounds mm-hmm. kind of tinny," <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. Cool. And, uh, and the production on that, you know, just sounds fantastic. And, uh, and I know you mentioned before, like the, you know, just, you weren't producing it in the way that, and it wasn't sounding the way that, um, that, uh, you wanted it to, but, um, that how, sounded how, pretty fucking good. How did that come out <laughs> to you? you?
2: Cause the production, like the production stands out to me on that a lot. Yeah. I was super pumped with that. Um, like I've always worked with other producers, uh like throughout the whole time uh, when i started and then like i i don't know i i'm I wasn't too smart when it came to like studio stuff and like terminology and everything so i w- couldn't ever explain what i wanted so and i always just wanted to sit down and just do it myself so i finally gave in and i did that and uh like polaroid was probably like you know like the fifth song that i produced that <coughs> is just like yeah, I'm finally on to something where it's like, I genuinely love it. And it's like, I feel like I'm always going to love it. Like with my older stuff, like you said, with those people not sounding that great, that's literally how I was, you know, like, uh, the producers I was working with were like asking so much money, you know? And it's like, it wasn't even like that great, you know? And Mm -hmm. so I just started investing in myself and, now I'm making music that I really love, and Ooh, and yeah. hopefully the production, like you said, stands out. And that's what I'm hoping for. You know, I spent a lot, lot of time just like trying to learn and grow and get better. And I still mm. have a long ways to go. But
3: mm. you you said something that connected with me um, earlier. We were <laughs> you said that you you suck at speaking, and yeah. uh, I feel like that sometimes. Like I, it's something I talked to my therapist about quite a bit because I feel like I have these really complex thoughts in my head, but such a a narrow bandwidth with my vocabulary and words to be able to like articulate how I feel. That's and uh, I I hear you saying that, but I I don't think that's that's true about you. I think you just need, yeah, dude, <laughs> you, need you to spend more time with people you, that that yeah. will just <laughs> listen listen to you because you think you've got some yeah. m- amazing things to say and share. But on you top of that, be, you can't be on an almost one hour podcast <laughs> and suck at speaking at the same time. I mean, it just doesn't happen. And, and but on top of that too, it, it's it, like another a thing that that really strikes me is like your um your ability to communicate feelings through music too and I think that mm. um, you should continue to really lean into that because that song was beautiful and I, I know you. there's a, a deeper meaning there too than, than what we were just hearing but like what were you thinking about when you were writing that song
2: yeah it's it's weird like all these newer songs or like the past maybe three years I, I would say it's like I swear it feels almost feels like somebody else is writing them because it's mm. just like just flow out like with that song and it's always different of how they like come to be but with that song like I was just making this that beat you know just one day and I've never done this where it's like I'll make it I made the beat and then you know I found these chords that I really liked so I started playing it on the piano and then it's just like this it's just like a melody instantly pops up to my head and then the words just start flowing out. And, like, mm-hmm. sometimes I get frustrated because uh, sometimes, like, my lyric writing, like, I find might be all over the place, but I've been getting better at it at, over the years. And, you know, it's just one of those things where it's, like, I can stop, like, I can make this music and then look at it and then hate on, like, the lyrics or whatever then like, not think that they're per- – or think that they're not perfect and like throw it away or try to my best to like make it perfect, or I can just put it out there and like learn from it and go on to the next one. Mm. And that's totally. basically what I've been doing now. Mm. that's awesome. I,
0: I also saw on the, uh, on the website there that you you dedicated the EP to June, mm-hmm. which uh, I think is just so <sighs> beautiful, and that, yeah. that photo that you included there is uh, is really, really sweet. June looked like a like a good girl, <laughs> mm. a really sweet dog. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was nice what what are you uh what are you listening to these days what like what kind of music what music are you just like you can't stop listening to can't is on
2: repeat non uh like literally everything um I, I made a spotify playlist uh it's like it's probably like 18 hour playlist yeah um, what is it tell us what it is I'll, I'll follow that I, I don't I'm not sure how you find it but uh, yeah it's just on Spotify if you go to my artist profile you might see it I'm not too sure though it's just called the best of the the best <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like like I have everything from like like Post Malone to uh, like stuff done in the 60s to like um, oh yeah yeah like, like, of yeah Billy Joel yeah
0: some Coldplay in there. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Literally everything. 1975.
1: I always find it, uh, <clears throat> I always find it so interesting about music, especially like, especially with artists, uh, artists' influences are always really, 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 really interesting. And like you, I, you know, I feel like I always <laughs> associate the influences of an artist with the same type of music that they make. And then, what I find way more often is like, it's this crazy eclectic, uh, you know, catalog of music that spans genres that you would never associate with like the genre of music that that person creates. Like Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I think I was listening to Tyler, the creator talk about uh, musical influences like a number of years ago and I was like, Oh oh my, Oh my (laughs) God. Like dude, I would have never pegged that (laughs) with the music that you're making but that is wild to, t- and to hear an artist go like in depth about Ooh. these songs that seem, you know, worlds, you know, worlds disassociated with the music that they're making, but it's influencing mm-hmm. their, their creative process, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Um, Colin, what's next, what's next for you? You know, like you're, I I mean,
0: actually before you answer that, how are you, how, how's the liver, how's your health,
2: how's your uh, mental health? It's, it's good. <laughs> Um, you know, since I'm sad all the time because losing June, but, Mm -hmm. you know, other than that, like things have been going great. Uh, like the EP was such a fun thing to do and like put out in the world. And, you know, I get messages from people that really enjoy it. So that always like, you know, makes me so happy, like fulfilled basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, I'm just going to try it keep doing that over and over again not like projects but just like a single you know like i'll probably do one next month hopefully
3: mm-hmm. you you mentioned that uh, when you had your liver transplant that you, you you things started to to feel and even taste more vibrant um mm-hmm. do you feel like that now that it's been six years do you feel like that is waxing or waning, waning at all
2: I feel like it like at first it was like super intense um but now it's kind of just like I'm I guess I'm just used to it and I mm. I love it like I'm super grateful for it still but yeah it's like it's not the same as it was <laughs> Yeah my my mental health isn't always great like some days it's uh pretty bad but it's it's it'll never be as bad as it was basically you know mm. mm-hmm.
0: Well That's dude really... I got to
2: say you uh you are this was such a
0: joy to sit down and to to hear about you and your life and the and the hardships you've been through, but the ways that you you found an outlet and uh, you know the ways that you find healing through your art. It's just it's super inspiring, and uh, I think I speak on behalf of all of our listeners when I say that we really are grateful that you took time out of your day today to sit down and, and share all of that with us and, and be so vul- vulnerable and be so open. Um, it really does mean a lot.
2: Mm. I appreciate you guys having me. Like, I've, I've been following you now for like three years, I think. And I just love what you guys do. Like, you guys are hilarious. And you guys talk about mm. such important topics and stuff. And I, like, I appreciate it so much. Yeah,
0: thanks, thanks, Colin. Subscribe. Thanks
2: a lot, man. How can, people, uh, how can people follow you? How can people find the music? How can people
0: keep Colin in their lives?
2: Uh, it's just Colin Klaus on social media, Colin Klaus music on Instagram, but yeah, you can just, I'm sure I, I, am on every social media basically. And it's just Colin Klaus. <laughs> and that's uh, Colin, Colin with two L's. Yeah.
0: C-L-O-W-E-S. Yes. Colin, thank you so much, dude. This has been really fun. Thank you guys. Thanks again. You
2: guys are awesome.
0: That was lovely. Uh, Thanks for tuning in, folks. Hope you enjoyed our conversation with Colin. And be sure to go check out his EP, uh, Sleepy, which is available now wherever you get your music. And um, uh, that's it. That's it. That's all, you know. So if you're listening on Apple Podcast, leave a rating and a review. If you're listening on Spotify, hit the follow button. And, of course, every Friday we're on YouTube. Search us up on YouTube. Hit subscribe. And uh, knock the bell icon so you know whenever we're putting videos up. Um, the podcast is... Oh, you, you know first, let me tell you. Uh, if you want to be on the show like Colin was, go to sickboypodcast.com slash contact. And there's a little form there and you can fill it out and be a guest on the show. And on top of that, you could also reach out to us if you have anything you want to say. Uh, letters at sickboypodcast.com. The podcast is brought to you by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, Brian Stever. Uh, We are managed by Jeffrey Lonis, sound design, our good friend Donovan, the CPAP Morgan, and the theme music uh, to this episode is from Take Part. But you know what? Just for fun, why don't we uh, throw to another song on Colin's EP to play the episode out. So this is Dreams by Colin Klaus. The day
4: I came across your old letter The one you wrote only for my eyes And what it said I'll always remember Till the day I die There might be something in the water Could have caused these waves Maybe this dream should be smaller Maybe I'm just too late Cause you know that I tried But look at me now Cause darling I'm tired I'm not good enough And I'm running out of time Will you stay with me And watch these dreams die Took a second to look in the mirror I never quite liked what I see And my future's come Fear her, you'd be a fool to never leave Cause you know that I try just look at me now cause darling I'm tired of letting you down cause I'm not good enough and I've run out of time. Will you stay with me? For the night, we can watch these dreams.